This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Phillies are hot. That is right. The Phillies are hot. 4-0 to start the year and a big comeback win last night. For the Phillies against Jacob DeGrom and the Mets. Well, really not Jacob DeGrom. He was really good. Yeah. He was awesome. Sometimes a bullpen might blow it. And right here on Pine Tar for breakfast, we're going to talk to the bench coach. Rob Thompson, joining me right here on Pine Tar for breakfast. In the air to left field. Going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball back. Coming down. What up, and welcome to another episode of Pie Talk for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Uh, awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's how you start out the season, 4-0. 158 to go. I get it. But there's so much to unravel with this team so far. One homer, Andrew Knapp, is the only one to have homered. And I think when you think of this offense, you think of a big, strong, powerful, extra base hitting team. And right now, they are grinding away at bats and finding a way to win ball games. Now, to win those ball games, you also have to put up some zeros. So the pitching has been fantastic. The bullpen has been exceptional. Um, what Brandon Kinsler did last night on the, you know, coming in and out of the pen, can't remember the last time he came out in the fourth. And he did, bases loaded, and he gets a ground ball double play right away from Kevin Pillar. And it, to me, I said it at the moment, it's the biggest play of the game right there. You watch. Brandon Kinsler is the player of the game because of that pitch. So many times that we've seen in the last couple of years, like it just comes in. It's like, not my run. Don't worry about it. No, it mattered. And the execution of a 90-mile-an-hour sinker down in the zone, knee-high to Kevin Pillar, rolled into the double play. Yeah. They don't have a chance in my mind if they if there's runs scored in that in that situation. There weren't, and guess what? Phillies end up coming back and winning. So to a four zero start, to let's kick this off. The bench coach of the Philadelphia Phillies, Canadian Hall of Famer Rob Thompson. Thompson, what's up? How you doing, Kevin? Good to uh, hear from. I you know what after. After all the excruciating losses last year as a broadcaster, um, you know, and, and it's not anything close to being in the dugout, to have the first four games play out the way they have, uh, it's very refreshing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, you know. Um, but they did a, a nice job. The front office did a nice job uh, upgrading our bullpen, obviously. And um, and I, I like our four and five guys, Matt Moore and Chase Anderson. And, and so that. We've got a lot of upgrades, and, and you know, it's I know it's early, um, but I've I really like the makeup of this club. You know that in the series against Atlanta, we 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 were never behind in that series, and then all of a sudden we're behind last night, and, and it was nice to see how the club responded, and and um, 
uh, it's just four really good wins. Well, when you go up a guy against a guy that's uh, you know two-time Cy Young Award winner Jacob Degrom, who's ninety-eight to one hundred and two uh, last night, <laughs> pretty much forcing fastball slider, doesn't even bring in his curveball changeup. What was the what was it like in the dugout? I mean, I've been in plenty of dugouts being dominated by someone, but when when they get taken out, there's a breath of fresh air. There's something that's going on. But it, it seemed like you guys were in it the whole time, no matter if he was in the game or not. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I thought overall we had. I mean, his stuff is electric, and he's he's really something. <laughs> but I thought overall we had some pretty good at bats, and and. We squared, actually squared up a couple of balls on him. Um, so, I, you know, we we kept it right there. Matty Moore did well. He walked a couple guys that uh, I'm sure he'd like to get back. But uh, Kinsler came in and got the double play. So we kept it at two. And you always think, okay, a, a, a walk and, a, a you know, somebody runs into one or a bloop and a blast, whatever you want to call it. So you're, you always feel like you're in it. And then um, and I understand why. Uh, you know, Louie was uh, hesitant to send Jacob back out there for the seventh. You know, he hadn't pitched in 10 days. Yeah. And so I get that. And I, I, I try not to manage other teams' clubs. But, uh, yeah, when, you know, once you get that guy out, and their bullpen's good too. They got, oh, they got yeah. good arms down there. But once you get DeGrom out, then you, you, you kind of feel, you know, a lot better. Well, I sure. – you brought up the point, like it'd been 10 days since he had thrown. I mean, you're looking at the same thing for their relievers as well. So you could talk right. about all, you know, all the bullpens, all the simulated games that they had, but yeah, I'm going to be honest. They're the ones that you're, you're more worried about. Cause it's, you, you better be ready to, from the get go, like Jacob yeah. DeGrom, he could find a rhythm at some point yeah. as a starting pitcher. But for that Mets bullpen, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a surefire thing yesterday. No, no, that's for sure. And it's, it's tough when you don't see hitters, and, and like you said, it's you can do all the bullpens and and whatnot. But if you're not facing hitters and with high intensity, then it, it can be difficult on you. And that's I, I was so happy with you know Brandon Kinsler and yeah. Coonrod last night because they hadn't seen hitters in in a week <laughs> either, and they did they really did a great job. Well, I was going to ask you about Kinsler because. Uh, was a huge fan, and, and I thought like last year when when he was with the Marlins, he gave them an attitude, a, a desire, like there was a desire, right? It wasn't just like, oh, we're just the Marlins. It was like, no, we are the Marlins, and we're gonna come here. Yeah. Like he gave that attitude, right? Well, now you have a guy that had twelve saves last year, comes into a situation where he didn't pitch in the first weekend because wasn't needed, uh, wasn't the situations for him, but he it, it's the embrace. I guess you could say the embrace of the fourth inning role that he came in on and, and the intent, the ground ball. I mean, the misses that he had just off the plate were down at the knees to uh, Kevin Pillar, but he, he runs one right back at 90 sink gets, gets the ground ball double play. What can you say about a guy like that where he, you know, has the role of closer for, you know, for a good amount of time in the last few years, but comes in, wins a job and accepts where he's going to be at. Yeah, that's, um, that's a special guy right there. And, and, you know, the experience factor and he's not afraid. He's been in those big spots before. And, and really, I mean, uh, that was kind of the, even though it was the fourth inning, it was kind of the perfect spot for him because he's come into that situation so many times in the past being, you know, at the back end of a bullpen. And, and we're certainly not afraid that, you know, to use him back mm -hmm. there. So, 
Um, he's just a great addition, and he's great for that bullpen. Like you said, he you know he he comes out there and he's got kind of an attitude um, <laughs> a, a, in a good way. I don't, no, that's I don't the attitude that. you need. He's, yeah, he's uh, you know kind of like let's go, boys. You know, we got to get <laughs> outs, and, and we're going to attack the zone, and we're going to attack these hitters, and and um, and I like that, and it it feeds uh, off on everybody. You know, just just the way he goes about his business. Through, through all your years of, of managing, being bench coach or base coach, all throughout baseball, playing, who does Brandon Kinsler remind you of? Is there anybody well, that, that stands out to you? Paul Quantrill. Ooh. Yeah. Paul Quantrill had that, had that attitude, that fierceness about him, uh, kind of saltiness about him. And he didn't care if he had his good stuff, bad stuff. He, he believed that he was going to get you out at any time. And that's what Ken's kind of, kind of gives us. And and like I said, it, it you know, it uh, everybody else picks up on it, and everybody else feeds off. But oh, I mean, we feed off of it. Yeah, you know, because he had that. There was an article with uh, Matt Gelb earlier, and he's like, "Can I? Can I cuss?" He was like, "All right, you." And he just kind of, <laughs> but you can feel like through the words, you knew yeah. it wasn't fake, right? Yeah. It was a, a genuine. Like when you called it saltiness, it's a, it's a, it's truth. It, there's good salt and there's bad salt. That's yeah. good salt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He is. Um, when, when when I mean, look, for me, uh, I, I would love to ask Joe, and so I'm going to ask you because you're his right hand man and you know him better than than most. Uh, sweeping the 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 Braves is such a big thing. But what was more important, the sweep or the bullpen to get off to the the start they have so far. Yeah, I think the uh, getting that bullpen off on the right track. You know, we hit one home run in that series, and it was. <laughs> and Andrew, if if Andrew anyone Knapp. had Andrew Knapp as as number one on there, right. that's that's a lot of money right, right. there. <laughs> Nappy's got a lot of power, but but we've got so many guys in yeah. the lineup that can put the ball in the seats, and so to win those three games based on pitching and defense and and some timely hitting and. Um, you know, in, in game one, JT moves Harper over to mm. third base in the 10th inning and Segura gets a ground ball over third baseman's head. Um, just doing all those little things. And we, we talked about a lot in spring training, um, just doing the little things create big things. Yep. And in, I think it was game two, we had a three-run inning. And it all started with two outs and two strikes, nobody on. Segura gets base hit. Um Quinney gets hit by a pitch. Wheeler gets a base hit. McCutcheon walk. And Hoskins with a two-strike double down the left field line. And, and basically that game's sort of over. And so just keep the line moving. Do the little things. Big things happen. Um, it was really a good series from that standpoint. And and make, and getting the bullpen um, through those three games and, and with – confidence i mean obviously we've got great arms down there but um there's still that i'm sure going into the season there's that stigma of you know we blew all these games last year (laughs) yeah and so i think it's a a big confidence boost to everybody no for sure i mean you can erase you can erase a lot of memories with a good first month i think with that with the bullpen and the way they respond and um harp said something i think it was last night right after the game where he's like there's the the trust in others uh, yep. That we have as hitters, and and you brought brought that up as far as like keeping the line moving. And uh, someone asked me the the biggest thing that I've seen since I played with Harp in fourteen 
what do you think is the biggest change? I'm like, there is so much trust in the guy behind him. Uh, he loved the guy behind him. He knew the guy was going to get hits behind him in, in Washington, but it was like a full buy. It, there's a full buy-in, right? And and he doesn't yeah. have to play hero ball. Well, that was the thing. You brought up JT moving over Harp in the extra inning game, uh, the Gene Segura two-strike hit, the Reese two-strike hit, but there is a belief in myself right now. There's no hero ball early, and that's – I mean, you can't start off better than that. <laughs> And having that, like the, the unselfish at bats, if you start out the year looking for the big hit by someone all the time, by that one guy, then who responds, right? And now that, you got eight, eight, nine guys that have responded, it seems like. Yeah, the, the, you know, we got a very long lineup. And I, I think everybody's, everybody realizes that. And everybody realizes that, hey, I don't, I don't have to be the guy to get it done every night. Um, I just need to do what I can do, do what I can control. Um, and Hey, I'm, I got the confidence in the guy behind me. And if, if they want to pitch around me, go for it because the guy behind, behind me is going to get it done too. And I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of that and a lot of confidence in that. And, uh, it makes for, for winning baseball and it makes for scoring a lot of runs. And, and, um, you know, this is a high powered offense. It hasn't shown up yet, but it will in in time, and um, you know it's it's going to be it should be a lot of fun to watch. Well, that's what I was thinking. Is like the last couple of years, the offense has obviously been very good at at times. We're not going to say all the time. No, uh, and, and finding ways to win was always a, I thought a trouble thing for you guys because maybe the pitching wasn't. It, all three four phases of the game were not clicking. Right, like and right now. Pitching and defense proves that you can win, right? Just timely offense, timely hitting, and all that stuff. With great pitching and defense, which you guys have shown, that's that's a recipe for a lot of W's. Yeah, it is because you know, on the nights you don't hit, um, you got to do those little things on pitching, defense, base running, those things to to create enough runs to to beat the other club, and that's really how you pl- win playoff games. Yeah, and, yeah. Because uh, in in the playoffs you're you're not seeing fours and fives you're seeing everybody's one two three and and it's it's tough to score runs and and so you have to do the little things to to get it done. What has it been like for you uh, with just the fans in the stands and not a oh cardboard cutout? Did, did you have like a first off was there a cardboard cutout at all that like made you feel uncomfortable like it was staring right at you the whole time? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you this: it's so nice to have fans in the stands. You know, like last night, I don't. It got loud. I know, yeah, I don't know how many, well, like ten or eleven thousand. I think they're allowed in the ballpark. Yep. But they, and I don't know what they gave out, whether they're towels or t-shirts or something. But they're all twirling the, you know, as we were rallying there in the eighth, they're all twirling them, and 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 then in the ninth when Alvarado went out there, and, and it was really exciting, and and I'm so happy that. Uh, there's actually people in the stadium now. Well, because you guys aren't having to create that energy, energy, and I think that I mean <clears throat> that wears on guys, right? I mean, it probably wore on on the coaching staff trying to make sure, you know, they're professionals. I get it, but you need a little motivation at times, and the fan was always that motivation. They're they're always the the, the check keepers right there, right? They they make sure that the checks and balances for the team. Uh, they'll let you know when things aren't right, and when they're not there. Um, it's trying to keep those guys locked in. 
what would how would you if you reflected on last year and said how what what was what was uh what would be the word I'm looking for was there a benefit at all was there something that you learned about yourself as a coach uh that you didn't know about in 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 motivating these guys um I don't know I yeah I think it I think it was difficult last year from that standpoint trying you know because the players feed off the fans mm-hmm. and whether it's whether it's cheering or booing or whatever they feed off the fans so it's it 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 can be it it was it was difficult last year to to motivate players to get them going and i think it was it was difficult for everyone not not yeah. just the manager but all the coaches too and and difficult for the players too because it's it's just a a natural thing um that they they love to perform that's just part of the part of the business and uh performing in front of cardboard cutouts <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't think that's conducive to, well, you know, what I, did Dusty ever say anything to you? Cause you're a long time third base coach too. So you, and you've been in the, like the thick of things out there, the, the adrenaline rush as a third base coach, it, where it, it gets on you, right? Like the, the fans could get to you in a good way and a bad way as well. Uh, but like Dusty was out there at times of going, man, who's talking to Dusty? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> you right. have those like little, you know, the the, the chirps coming from the, the behind you. Uh, yeah, that's right. And if it, if you're not scoring runs, you know, because every team go, they go through stretches where they don't score runs. So you got no fans, you got no runners. You're like the Maytag repairman. You know, you're the lonely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, because I I just I was like thinking about it going. Now, who's the loneliest on the field these days? You know, with the cardboard cutouts and and because you're trying to make things fun in a in a horrible time in our yeah you know in our world's history, um, and and you're just going like, man, Dusty. Had th- I think Dusty thought up his whole diet for his whole off season, like during those times, like in those quiet times on the base at, at third base, coach. He looks good. <laughs> Oh my he looks, God, he looks amazing. Yeah. Well, so do he you, looks like, man. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest takeaway from last year that you'll always take away from your coaching career? Um, I think how much how much I appreciate the fans being in the, in the ballpark. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and and also I, I guess um, how much I I. I love the freedom of being able to eat when I want, go where I want, um, do what I want, you know, because yeah. uh, it was, it was almost like we were kind of in jail last year mm-hmm. and, um, it was, it was a, a tough, tough time, but hopefully, you know, now we got fans in the ballpark that helps and hopefully, um, you know, everybody starts getting these vaccines and, and we can, um, we have a little bit more freedom uh, to do what we need to do because it was it was difficult. Oh, so I was like it, Scott and I felt like we were at a bar, which was the the stadium uh, broadcast booth. Yeah, uh, calling games off a monitor, right? So yeah. I never realized. I, I feel like I have a lot of energy all the time. Yeah. I was like, damn, I missed this. I missed the fan. Yeah. Cause the first time that we see people walking in front of us the other day, we're like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really is. Uh, it really is. And you know, the, the other thing about it is that uh, I really feel bl- 
kind of blessed to, you know, so many people have lost their jobs through mm-hmm. this thing and family members and, and knock on wood, I, I haven't been affected by it. But so I'm, I'm real, I really feel blessed to that, you know, things have gone, gone well for me and my family. And I feel, uh, I feel bad for people that have lost their jobs and lost family members. And, and, so, well, I was going to say with, with the, uh, amount of, change that has happened throughout everything just in life um baseball's had some change too and i don't know if you know this but the other day we had no clue that the uh the extra inning rule was still involved <laughs> oh is that right <laughs> and so yeah. we're like wait we thought that was last year yeah i should have what it, love to know your take on the uh runner at second in extra innings um you know, when it, when it first came out, I was like, ah, you know, we're changing the game. I'm more, I'm a more of a traditional guy, mm-hmm. but I, I do believe that, um, you know, I think that might be a good thing and, and it brings up new strategy, which is good. And I can remember the blue Jays a few years ago had like a 17 inning, 18 inning game, like the second game of the season. And that can really blow up your, your roster and, yep. and things like that. And, and because you can't recall guys within the first 10 days. And so I, I think, uh, you know, I am a traditionalist, um, but I, I think I kind of like it. There's new strategy to it. And, you know, the games aren't going to go five hours long and, and maybe it's going to help on injuries down the road. So um, I, you know, I'm okay with it. How about the fact that the, you talk about the, you know, JT moving up hard, but first hitter for the the Braves with the the runner on second the other day was Freddie Freeman. What do he do? He got Albies over, and you're just right. going that. Look, I I love the game of baseball. I love the traditionalist is in me as well. I love the act of you know, kind of giving yourself up for the betterment of the team, getting a runner at third, less than two outs. Uh, yeah. And to see the game played like that by two of the, I would say two of the best hitters in the, in the game. Yeah. Uh, that was special. That was like one of those moments where you just kind of sit back and you're like, that was awesome. And if I could get yeah. more of that, I'm in, I'm all in. Yeah. I am too. Because a lot of that strategy has gone away from the game uh, in the last four or five years. And, and maybe with um, the implementation of this extra inning rule, the last two years, they're, you know, get back to more moving runner get them over get them in bunts sacrifices hit and runs you know maybe that that cycles back into our game which would be good it it would because at at the same time like we look at um you know where the game has gone all the you know the strikeout walk hit or uh, home runs um yeah one of the things that stands out is still the winning team from you know the world champion dodgers last year they might have been the one of the best base running teams that's and, right. And so, like, it's still – the game is still there, like, as far as doing the little things right. And Mookie Betts, the, I wish they would put it on on, on video for, for kids. This is how you run the bases. This is how, um, you know, you do a contact play at third. And all the years that you, you know, you coach third, been involved in the game, watching from, from the dugout, I mean, there might not be a better base runner. And that just – it just made it that much more apparent that, by the way, guys, this game is still the same. And it's yep. a team that is fundamentally sound that you are going to be, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be there at the end. Yeah. 
And Mookie, he, you know, from the time he came up from the minor leagues, was always a great base runner. Mm. And he runs contact play as well as anybody in the game. Anybody I've, I've seen, really. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, he, he really is. He's very heady, um, very instinctual, uh, great dirt ball reads, first to third, second to home, tag at first base on deep fly balls. I, he's just, he's into it. And and I think I think if you want to be a good base runner, you have to, you have to want to be a good base runner. Yep. And you want to. You need to buy in that ninety feet is a big deal. Man, I was I was a good base runner in my mind. Did you know that? In my <laughs> mind, because I thought myself of being too fast. So like I was, I had the right plays every time. I just was not fast enough. I just right. I didn't do the Charlie Manuel. No, that's hey, hey. <laughs> You know, and 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 to see someone with, I I think that's my favorite part. My my biggest appreciation for. Uh, uh, players is is the fast player the fast player that has the instincts to go along with it because right. you know like the, the not taking it for granted not being like well i'm just fast i'll do this it's like doing the little things mookie bats does the little things to do it yeah. and you're like ah oh, man like i i just i i find it fascinating with him yeah he's a really good player no, no question about it when when you look at um a couple things with with this team um what is your biggest concerns going forward? What are your biggest likes of this team and its makeup as we go forward? Well, I think, I think my biggest concern is, is probably a concern for every club really coming off the short season last year is, is injuries and um, not only to the pitchers, but to the position players. Cause you know, you, you add on a hundred games uh, that's a hundred games of innings on your pitching staff and, and, and a hundred games on your, on your position players. So <clears throat> keeping guys healthy, giving them the right amount of rest days off, I think is, is a huge factor uh, moving forward throughout baseball. And I still think the injury um, injuries are going to spike this year. And I think it's going to, it's going to filter into next year possibly. Um, so that's my biggest concern. Mm-hmm. I think, I think my biggest like uh, of this club is, is um, just the people that are in the clubhouse. Uh, I get a real sense of of urgency. I get a sense that these guys want to win, and and they're willing to to make the commitment and make adjustments uh, and do anything they need to do um, to get that done. To help their teammates, to to do the little things, to create big things. Uh, I really like the makeup of this club and and all the intangibles that that go with these guys so that's my biggest like well i was gonna say uh you've been a part of many teams franchises that that as far as you know you got teams that that fight and do everything that have a desire to win but what does it say when it looks from our perspective up up top uh there's a fight for each other And, and that's early that's like it's kind of it's pretty cool to see yeah, and if if you can see it from up top, then you can, you you if you're down in the clubhouse, you'd really be able to see it, really be able to feel it, and, and that's a great feeling to know that that you're with a group of people that everybody's got each other's back, everybody's going to fight for each other. If we're in a foxhole, and they're going to stick together, and um, you know, we always tell them prepare, compete every day, and stick together. If we do that we're going to be fine. How amazing is it that they can see it because you and Joe, you've been around each other for a long time. Like 
it it's there too. Like with the coaching staff, like you could see it. There's a camaraderie that you guys have. Yeah, we really do. We we have a a really really tremendous coaching staff, and and we all get along. Number one, but we all we all have each other's backs. We have. Um, I might I think I'm the oldest guy in the group, <laughs> and, and I learn so much from these guys every day because they're younger and and they understand the analytics part of it a little bit better than I do, and they because they kind of grew up on it. Um, they're very innovative thinkers. Um, they're always looking for a way to 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 help the players get better. Uh, endless energy, um, and so it just motivates me. They motivate me every day. And then you you know you take a guy motivate like motivate you. Come well, on, yeah. they do, they do because they're I I I'm impressed by them every day. And you I, are I always to, up too, by the way. I feel, I feel <laughs> like I'm I'm like the the old guy in the back, and I need to I need to get going, you know. But and then you you know we we've got you know you take Dusty for example. I I think. I think the world of Dusty. Mm-hmm. I, I think this guy's going to manage in the big leagues, and and he should because he's he's highly intelligent and he knows the game. He knows how to run the game. He knows how to how to um, you know motivate players, get the trust of players, have relationships with players. Uh, he's just a, a really, really, really uh, good coach, and I think he's going to be a, a really, really, really good manager at some point. How over. The pro, I'm I, in not saying this in a negative way, but over the protocols in, in running spring training, were you like because there's a lot of things that you had to weave through and in, in, in scheduling? And was it one of the most difficult springs you've had to, to manage or, or, or you know, manage the, the schedule? Or was it easier based on the fact that you had spring training 2.0 to kind of have like a idea of what could happen? Um, yeah, it was both of them were equally difficult just because of the fact that, you know, you had to, to move people around and, and make sure that not too many people are in the same spot at the same time. And when you're when you're dealing with 75 guys and coaches and trainers and strength guys and all these people, it's um, it was very difficult. It really was. But I had a lot of help. Coaches helped me a lot. Um Mike Kalitri and Greg Brodzinski and all the coaches really uh, looking through schedules and, and kind of counting guys and making sure, you know, we weren't overlapped someplace. Um, but it was difficult and, and it was difficult to do team defenses mm-hmm. and team meetings and, and little things that, that you normally do in spring training uh, as a, as a group. Uh, so it was a little bit more difficult to do that, but we got through it and, um, you know, hopefully we never have to go through it. Again. <laughs> oh man. No, I'm, I'm excited for where you guys are at. Hey, before I let you go, uh, the other day on uh, MLB network radio, I was doing the show and we were talking about like craziest things that you've seen in sport or in, um, in baseball, uh, your name came up in this and it was based on the fact that there is a human being that you coached. And I don't know if you remember it, but in 2010 with the Yankees, certain someone came in to the game, 0-2 count, had to pinch hit and hit a home run. Do you remember that? Hmm. If you can name the name, you hmm. win a prize. <laughs> wow. Was it a playoff game? No, it was. I, I was with the Angels. Uh, 
And uh, this was a July game. Brett Gardner either got hurt or ejected. I couldn't remember. It was it was either or because there was a good chance he could have gotten ejected from a, a, a O2 count. Uh, wow. And uh, Scott Shields was on the mound, and the young Colin Curtis came really? to play. And he homered. Yeah, you're the third base coach. And how I remember wow. this is A-Rod was on third. And this was the game that Jeter had come up to me and talked to me during a uh, pitching change and asking me how everything was. Did I like it better than San Francisco? I was like, this guy knows me? Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so I feel good about myself. I go up to A-Rod. You're right there. And I'm like, what's up, man? And you're like, you started laughing. You walked out towards the outfield, and he just stone-faced me the whole time. <laughs> And literally, like two pitches later, Colin Curtis comes in and hits a homer, pinch hit homer after being down 0-2. Like, he came into the count. Like, there's no way. I think he is the only one in the history of the game to do it. Wow. That is. So, I can't I, you didn't remember I that. I vaguely remember that. I vaguely remember that. I mean, you should have remembered. It was me. I had the flowing locks. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. <laughs> well, Tobbs, it's been uh, nothing but good from you, and uh, I can't wait to see you again. Yeah, uh, but I'm glad great. I got a chance to talk to you. And thanks for joining me right here on Pine Tar for breakfast. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Oh, appreciate it. Appreciate you. I mean, if people understood that Rob Thompson was one of the best baseball people I've ever been around, I mean, it, it, it's, I think, an understatement. Um, live, breathe, drink, eat baseball. Um, the people that he's been around, the organizations that he's been a part of, especially with the Yankees and how much respect he has within the Yankees organization, I think says a lot. Um, so to get the Canadian Hall of Famer, one of my favorite people in the game, a guy that I never played for, only played against. Uh, just, man, but those are the things for myself. I know for for many of the broadcasters we miss is being able to speak to the coaching staff and be able to have that, that interaction with them. And so th I'm just grateful that I got the opportunity to talk to Rob Thompson. Thanks for joining me again on Pine Talk for breakfast. Until next time. Peace. Kevin France is out of here. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.